Welcome back to the I Believe in Love book study, and we are on conference four, which is Abandonment to Jesus. And I think, you know, we talked a little bit about how the last conference was the hinge Mm -hmm. um, and how, you know, the author really says this is the most important chapter because without confidence, how can you have abandonment? And so I, I really loved how there's so much about abandonment that he talks about. He shares stories to give examples and he gives so many different definitions Mm -hmm. that it really gives an opportunity to relate to so many different readers and where they're at. So I'm curious, Fred, um, in reading this, like what, I guess, definition or, you know, testimony or whatever of abandonment stood out to you the most. Right. I, I love how you mentioned the hinge. I love how he frames it as abandonment the way he defines it yeah. multiple ways, obviously, yeah, is the logical conclusion, the logical expression, the logical destination, if mm-hmm. you will, of the confidence. Yeah. Like you of can't love itself. Yeah. Like you can't have one without the other. So I love how he ties them together. Like that unshakable confidence. Well, yes, it's the most important, but faith demands a response. Right. And our response is that abandonment. Right. So I, I think that's kind of what stands out to me. As a, a a definition, what stands out, you know, is is he he says it's obedience pushed to its limit. It's love kind of pushed to its limit. Mm. You know that that stands out to me. Yeah. How about you? No, that's a good one. Um, for me, I think the one that really stood out is on page eighty eight, and it's very very simple. Um, and it's it's what does abandonment consist of? And he's talking about Saint Francis de Sales, and it it just says it's the disposition to ask nothing and to refuse nothing. And I just really like that. It, that doesn't mean, you know, we're not supposed to go to God with petitions. Mm-hmm. We absolutely are. And scripture tells us that asking you will receive, seeking you will find, knocking the door will be open to you. So to say ask nothing doesn't mean don't bring your petitions to God. I think it just means your will should be united to the will of, of the Father. Right. So to ask nothing doesn't mean that you can't bring your petitions to the Lord. It means mm. that you're uniting your will to the will of the Father. So if you bring a petition and, you know, his his answer is no, there's still a piece in that. You're still okay right. with that. Right. And then when it says to refuse nothing, complete abandonment, well, if he's if he is calling you some, to do something and that's his will, then what do we, what is our response? Okay, Jesus, I trust in you, you know? Right. And so I really related to that one because I think it's so simple and it reminds me so much of Therese right. um, to yeah. ask nothing, to refuse nothing. Right. That really stood out to me also how he defines refusing nothing. Like he, mm-hmm. he, he goes to the next paragraph, obviously we must reason and judge. Yes. We must foresee, make our plans and act as if it all depended on us. You know, that famous St. Augustine quote, I insist upon this because abandonment is neither quietism nor fatalism. Yeah, those two words stood out to me because I, I grew up in a home where, oftentimes, there was this, this attitude of, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Whatever will be, will be. So, like, almost a, a let's sit and wait and see kind yeah, of. Yeah, but but yeah, sort of a a k sarah sarah. Whatever will be, will be. I hate that song, by the way, but. Um, <laughs> But that was kind of the attitude. But with that came a sense of we don't have to do anything. We yeah. don't have to change. Yeah. Like it still demands a response. Right. Faith and reason demand a response. And yeah, the Lord's will be done. But I still, by his grace and his will <laughs> that I participate in this thing, I do have a part to play in that, you know? 
And so I like how there's that balance there that he strikes of needing to abandon myself in a way is the doing that I have to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. I was thinking about that particular part of the book as I was reading it, and it actually made me reflect uh, a little bit back on my own life. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like for so long I wasn't necessarily a discerning person. Mm -hmm. I would just be like, this is the next natural step. Okay, where am I going to go to college? Okay, what job do I want to get? And then looking back at so many of those life decisions, it's like, I was exactly where I was supposed to be and exactly mm-hmm. where God wanted me to be. And so I feel like like that kind of resonated a lot where it wasn't like, you know, okay, I don't have to act. God's just going to do it. He's just going to make right. it happen. Right. It's like, no, you still have to plan. You still have to make decisions and choose something. Right. And I remember like, I don't think this is an uncommon thing for people. And that's fair. Like, I don't want this to sound like, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you're just kind of waiting around and God's going to do it like that, that, that there's judgment there because there's not, I think this is actually very common. And there could be seasons where yes. that is literally what where he does world. want you to just sit and wait <laughs> yeah. and he's going to yeah. do it. Yeah. But this was a discussion that BJ and I had, and I don't think he would care that I'm sharing this because I think it is so common mm. where there's just this decision in our life that is like, you know, I'm presenting it as we have to trust in God. We have to have faith. And he's coming at it from a place like, yeah, but you have to plan like what's next. And, and like both of us have the same mentality of, you know, we do have to plan, but we have to trust, but we're emphasizing different things. I'm emphasizing the trust. He's emphasizing the plan. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like we both understand both elements and we are saying the same thing, but because we're emphasizing the opposite you know there's a little Mm -hmm. bit of confusion there and so i really related to this like what's the difference between abandonment and action you know yeah that's awesome kara that's that's good i think kind of in the same place and this draw near journey together so i can definitely relate to that yeah well Um, and he works with our actions too like even even if we swerve a little bit off the path right you know it's not like he's gonna be like Okay, well, they're gone. I guess I'll go and try and find somebody right. else who's yeah. on this straight yeah. path. Like you done miss the will yeah. of God yeah. in your life. <laughs> you missed it forever. <laughs> it's never you're never going right. to get it back. No, he doesn't do that. He doesn't give up on you. And we talked a little bit about that with Peter, right. where you know he missed a lot, right? But his plan was still for him to lead the church. Yeah, with that, Kara, he actually says it's on page eighty three. The Lord looks much more at what we are than at what we do. Yes. And we are, in his eyes, what we sincerely want to be for him. Mm-hmm. I think to me, like in big letters next to that, I have a big arrow drawn and it says, get this with an exclamation point. <laughs> and I think it's because I forget that constantly. Yeah. Like I look at my failures. I look at where I fall short, how I think I'm falling short or, or how the enemy keeps reminding me that I'm falling short. Yeah. And I forget, you know, what is my act- my heart actually striving for. And so I do the thing. We see this all the time, especially with our ministry work with young adults, where there's so much anxiety about the will of God for my life. Yes. Like as if I have to find the right spouse. I have to find the right job. Or I'll somehow mess it up. Or I'll somehow mess it up. And there's this paralyzing fear that can set in. Yes. But the Lord's not in that. Like what is the desires of your heart. The Lord, Like St. Therese said, I think we talked about in the last week, the Lord's not going to inspire unattainable desires. And so oftentimes, like I like to use this illustration because I think it speaks to what you're saying. Yeah. That following the will of God is, it's, it's, it's almost like I'm here and there is there. Mm-hmm. You know, there is the perfect will for God. 
perfect will of God for my life. Like over there? Over there. Somewhere distant. Over there, okay. yeah. yeah. And I'm trying to get there, and I like to take the, the straightest path. Right, let me o- just jump. <laughs> yeah. I'll just jump yeah. there. <laughs> but But oftentimes, you know, if we were to picture here to there as a straight line, I think when we look at our lives, we're going to be curving right, curving mm-hmm. left, mm-hmm. curving left, tur- curving right, you know, yeah. maybe a few circles here and there. Yeah. But we're still basically staying on that path. And I really think once we, if the perfect will of God for our life is something that we can know we arrive at in this life, you know? Yeah. I think when we look back on that, the Lord is going to be pointing out a straight path the it, whole yes, time. Yep. We're not going to see right. where I veered left. We're only going to see the Lord was guiding my steps through the falls. Yes. Through the triumphs, through the tragedy, through the joys, he was guiding my steps the whole time. Like when you're going forward in your plan, it's like a curvy road. But right. when you look back at your life it's in the plan, it's completely straight. straight. Yes, he guided yeah. you every step of the way. Yeah. The author actually quotes exactly what you're talking about, Fred. On page 105, he said, we only see the links in the chain oh, yeah. one by yep. one yep. without seeing how they are interconnected. The day Jesus allows you to catch a glimpse of the whole golden chain, the marvelous succession of events, you will thank him and bless him. Amen. Yeah. So we only get to see what's right in front of us and the decision we have to make that's right in front of us. Mm. But when we, when we are beyond that point and we can look back, we do see the chain and it, and it's, you know, exactly what it needs to be to get us there. Right. Yeah. I like how he ties even of our, even our difficulties into that. Yes. Yeah, like total abandonment to Jesus doesn't mean like it's just going to be peace and easy. Right. You know, that's not at all what it is. Jesus's life wasn't peace and easy. And and even, you know, there's that prayer that he repeats over and over again. Like, thank you, Jesus, for all that you send me. Yeah. You know, because in a way, the trials we have in this life and the joys, those are the hands of the potter, like forming us and and leading us and guiding us. In, In that section of the book, I actually have written at the very top of my page, uh, it says, the only way to be happy in this life is to want what we get. And that's the only way we will get what we want. If we want what we get, then we want what God wants to give us. And what he wants to give us is what God wants us to have. What God wants us to have is the best thing for us. God wills only our good and loves us more than anyone else can or does love us. Mm-hmm. Romans eight twenty eight. Right. God works for the good of all things for those who love him. Right. You know, all these things work. I think Mary is the best example of that. Yeah, yeah. Like she wanted what she was given, which what she was given was exactly what God wanted to give Amen. her. And so that's essentially at the heart of, you know, letting go of our own will and uniting our will to the Lord's. I think uh, I related to page 95, um, at the top of page 95, exactly this. Like it's not going to be just an easy an easy road, um, which St. Paul talks about strength is perfected in weakness, but in the same way, confidence is perfected in worry, humility in the movement of pride, light is perfected in darkness. So Mm. oftentimes I feel like, you know, he gives us these occasions to fall, to be prideful, you know, Mm. to, to fall into darkness, to worry. He gives us those occasions because he wants to call us to something more. I think it was the last chapter that said, you know, when we, or two chapters ago, um, when we, when we give him an act of confidence, he rewards us when up with an opportunity for an even greater act of <laughs> right. confidence. Yeah. So if we fall, like Peter fell in, you mm-hmm. know, walking on the water, if we fall, it's to help us realize like 
oh, I fell. And now let me grow from that right. fall. Yeah. So it's not going to be just easy and peaceful. Um, it, you know, the author talks about how sometimes God will bring humiliation. Mm-hmm. Even though we're following his will, he yeah. will let us be humiliated or let us fail. And references the greatest failure, you know, according to mankind's eyes was the crucifixion. Obviously, Jesus being God, he knew that was not a failure and that was the ultimate triumph. But from the outside looking in, we see that as, oh, he just like messed up his entire mission because he's dead. And only one of the apostles was there with him. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So God allows those failures, those humiliations to bring about his will. So sometimes before you get to the victory, before you get to like, you know, this great plan that he has for you and his will, there might be some failures. And that's okay. Are you suggesting suggesting that we fall up on our way to God? You're so cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> Kira, I'm reminded of the words, uh, Battle Belongs, which is a worship praise yeah. song that we like a lot. Have we done that one before? I can't remember. If I don't know. We should. I love that song. That is a good one. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is the mountain, you see the, the mountain, mountain moved. Mm-hmm. And... Father de Albe, or the author, as you prefer to call him. I don't know how to pronounce <laughs> his name. <laughs> um, He's pregnant, so this would be like, Fred, that's not how you yeah, pronounce yeah. my name. He said, in our no, de- is he dead? Is he- yeah. This- He'll listen to it from yeah, heaven. <laughs> yeah. He's probably like shaking his head. Like, yeah. Oh, you tried so hard. I know. Um, in our defeats, whatever they are, we can see the victory of Jesus and therefore our own victory in him. When we accept them in the certainty that he has permitted them, in his wisdom, and in love for us. If you live this teaching, you will have the heroism of the theological virtues, a heroism of which Jesus will be the real hero, since without him, you can do nothing. Again, I go back to the song, When I fight, I'll fight on my knees. Oh God, the battle belongs to mm-hmm. you. I love that line. Let me do it. Right, fighting through Let prayer. Let me do it. Mm-hmm. Over and over again, we hear that in this chapter. Yeah. Let me do it. Yeah. I think that goes a lot to really what we started with was abandonment is allowing your will to be the Lord's will. And one thing that stood out to me, um, he did reference the blessed mother, but I love the story of St. Monica, um, with her Mm. son, St. Augustine. And, you know, I feel like in my mind, I read that as, you know, St. Monica wanted the will of the father, but she probably would come back and be like, no, that was a really hard time for me. I didn't want him to go to Rome. You know, one of those moments where she could see the decision right in front of her, but not until, you know, later on in Augustine's life could she look mm. back and be like, oh, he had to go there. Right. But that was his will. And I love the line where he denied what she was asking in the moment so that he could give her what she was asking all along. Right. Yeah. Which was his conversion yeah. of his soul. I love that because I think that is such a good lesson for us. Mm-hmm. When, you know, just, I guess, talking about like failures and humiliations that can come along with his will, you know, sometimes he can deny us what we are asking, even if it's good, mm-hmm. even if, it, you know, her request was good. She didn't want him to go there because she didn't want him to fall into t- temptation. Right. That's a very good request. He can deny us good things because something better is yeah. going to happen. I, I think that brings in like his point about no eye has seen or ear has heard what the Lord has in store for his people, mm-hmm. you know, in that it's because he has something more beautiful in mind. Right. Like, I'm sure she didn't know that the Lord would 
raise make him, him up Saint Augustine. <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah. to be this great saint, yeah. doctor of the church. Much of our tradition comes from mm-hmm. uh, the Holy Spirit working in and through Saint Augustine. Yeah. So I, it's just incredible to think about is, you know, sometimes it's just the Lord has a better plan and something yeah. more beautiful in mind. Yeah. So that's a good lesson, I think, for just all of us. I imagine many people can relate to St. Monica. Right. Like, you know, you have a child or a brother or a sister or a friend who has mm. fallen away from the faith or somebody you really, really want to see in heaven one day. Mm-hmm. I think this is just a very good lesson that we continue to pray for them. Right. And to just abandon ourselves and our will mm-hmm. for that person to God and just entrust them to God, which is, I mean, it's a lesson in humility and letting go of control. Um, but St. Monica is such a beautiful example of that and just trusting in God and continuing to pray. I think, I think I forget where the quote comes from, but it's like, you know, how could deny, how could God deny a request that was brought about by so many tears? It's like, you know, he right. knows how much you love yes. them, yep. but he loves them more. So like right. we can just entrust them to God. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. There's one thing, one more thing that um, stood out to me that I want to talk about. Uh, it's the very last line on page 89. And it just says, what makes things difficult for him, for Jesus, is lack of faith and abandonment on the part of those who call themselves his friends and who ought to be his faithful instruments. What makes things difficult for him is lack of faith and abandonment. So I really... That kind of was like mm. a, a little... <laughs> I might get feisty on this one. Okay, here, good. But, but, but go ahead. That was like a little nail in my heart a little bit because I think uh, so often I'm like, you know, yes, I want to do the will of the Father. And, you know, I think of, of myself as somebody who abandons themselves to the Lord. And I think I shared this in the very first episode when, you know, God kind of called me out like, no, you don't have faith. Um mm you know, you're, you're lacking in that thing that you think you have. And then thinking I have it is pride, right? right? Because, you know, the further or the closer you are to the goal, the further you think you yourself from the goal. Um, so this was kind of like a little, a little nail, like the most difficult thing for him is when you lack faith. Mm -hmm. And I think like, how can you abandon yourself completely to the will of the father if you don't trust in him? Right. You know? Yeah. So I wrote in the notes here, um, When I read, we thwart his plans by imposing our own views, our little plans to which we hold so tightly. Through the fear of the cross, fear of humiliation, thirst for enjoyment, earthly ambition, and above all, lack of confidence. Mm -hmm. And I wrote, reasons for lack of renewal in the church next to that. Yeah. And Kara, after 15 years working in ministry, 10 years of diocesan ministry, that just so many meetings come to mind there where we lack confidence, where we, we lack confidence, we lack faith, where I see maybe this is local parish level. I, I don't mean this isn't meant as a criticism. Right. I just see this so much. Maybe more of a challenge. Challenge. Like, let's yeah, reflect on it. Yeah. In parish life where we focus so much on how we've always done things mm-hmm. and our plans and our programs. And sometimes like we've been at meetings where like we're trying to, collaborate with a group of right. parish leaders and it it turns into everyone trying to justify their own programs right. and how theirs is the best and theirs should be the model or coming up with something or, new or coming allowing the holy spirit yeah. to guide us in a new effort and and it's like no that'll take 10 years it's like right well then let's go for it you know <laughs> right. let's get there again I, I just i see a lot of the reasons for a lack of renewal in the church in this yeah you know there's there's a lack of priority of the interior life there's a there's a lack of 
reliance upon the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, when the, when the, I say this all the time, but Acts 15, when the church faced a challenge, they all got together in prayer and discernment. Mm-hmm. And, and once they reached their decision, what were the words they said? It seemed good to us and yeah. the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. And so I think there's a challenge in here that how often can we say that right. about our decisions, that it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit? Where Where's the faith? Where's the confidence? I hear so much about what we lack in the church, mm-hmm. but I hear very little about what we actually have mm-hmm. in the church. The Holy Spirit, right? who leads us and guides us, who is, who's there to set hearts on fire. The person who knows how to renew your church is already there. Is the, already there. Yes. And Pope Francis, in every time and in every place, I don't know what this is in, but it, he did say this recently. <laughs> it's somewhere. <laughs> yeah. It's such a Catholic uh, thing. Yeah. Uh, in every time and in every place, the Lord will raise up the right people with the right mm-hmm. gifts to meet the needs of the times. Yep. The people that are needed to renew your parish, they're already there. We And we have to trust that they're and there. And we have to trust that they yeah. are there. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit will lead and guide the effort. But we have to stop trusting in, stop putting so much reliance and trust on this program, that program, this curriculum, and that curriculum, and put our focus and attention on the one who knows how to renew the church, Mm -hmm. and that's the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. who the Lord gave us for that very purpose. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I got a little feisty. No, that was a good soapbox, because I think, and none of that is, you know, criticizing. I think it's all coming from a place of love and passion for the renewal of the church. So like, let's, you know, challenge ourselves and challenge the way that, you know, our churches are the things of the church and renewal are being carried out. Like, are they guided by the Holy spirit? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I lied. I have one more, (laughs) one more thing. The last thing (laughs) I said, I'll try not to get as feisty on this one. (laughs) (laughs) The last thing I said, I, one more thing. It's lack of faith. I, one more thing stood out to me. Well, everything stopped to me, but let's not, right. you know, we don't need to exhaust everything. Some of it's also just deepening the the stuff we've already read. But another thing stood out to me, and that was, it's not like we are not going to worry. It was the nature oh, versus right, will right. Yep. Um, section of this mm-hmm. conference, how it is our nature to worry. Like we are going to fall into worry. We're going to, you know, be concerned about certain things. However, when that happens, Use your will to consciously acknowledge it and then deny it. I think it starts at the bottom of page 91. And it says, naturally, this means not to be voluntarily disturbed, not consciously or deliberately disturbed, because nature always worries. So we're going to worry. It literally says we're going to worry about everything. Right. We're going to worry about everything yeah. because yeah. that is our nature to mm-hmm. worry. But Some then, of us are better at it than others. Yes. Is that me or is that you? That's definitely me. I, <laughs> okay. I think. I think we're both there. <laughs> uh, and then it continues. The main thing is not to consent consciously to anxiety or a troubled mind. The moment that you realize you are worrying, make very quickly an act of confidence. Amen. Know Jesus. You are there. Yes. Nothing happens not a hair falls from our head without your permission. And I have no right to worry. I love that. Yeah, because yeah. like we have to acknowledge, you know, don't don't get down on yourself if you start mm-hmm. feeling like, oh, I'm not trusting in God, or you know, I'm falling into anxiety, I'm falling into worry. That's not a time to then be like, Oh, I'm I'm a terrible Christian. I don't have enough faith. You're going to worry. Right. And accept and, and recognize I am going to worry. But then when that starts happening, just turn it over to God. And I think it even goes into if you realize that you didn't 
do that and didn't turn it over to God at a mm. later point, just turn that over to God know, and right, say, you yeah. know, thank you even for those moments. Right. And I think that's really beautiful because it it shows what we've, what we've already started talking about with the conferences, his love and his mercy for mm-hmm. us. He's going to forgive you even for worrying. Right. But it gives you that opportunity to then hand it over to him. Amen. Right. I believe in your love for me and I believe in my love for you. Yeah, exactly. Amen.